Good evening, everybody. We are here with our 156th Q&A, just a number, with our Q&A. <laughs> February the 18th, the year of the law, 2023. We still have lots of questions, new questions, backlog. And we will trust the law to give us the answers, as usual. Before we go to the questions, we will look to the Lord, asking for wisdom, discernment, because sometimes the answers really touch people. Even those who haven't asked those questions, they receive an answer to a query they had. Amen. So, Father, this evening we come to you, Lord. By faith, I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over everyone here, all our churches, everyone listening, everyone who's bedridden. I speak your health. Amen. I speak your healing. Yes, Lord. I speak your strength. Yeah, Supernatural. Yes, Lord. You're a God who heals. You're the God of resurrection. Mm. Reach out and touch, touch Lord. Lord. Even Amma, Lord, now touch her. Touch, Lord. We come at this time into thy hands as we minister. Minister through us, O oh Lord. Let it bring strength and hope and faith in your people. We commit this time and ourselves into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Pastor, we'll start with question number three. It talks about uh, witchcraft. Um, it says, uh, secular sources limit witchcraft to people who practice sorcery or divination, utilizing supernatural powers in association with evil spirits. Witchcraft is a religion of fallen man. Satan's purpose, take away man's freedom so he can he cannot walk in peace and faith with God or in godly love towards others. Is that his strategy? Explain to us the freedom to be set free from witchcraft. See, when uh, secular sources is talking about witchcraft to people who practice sorcery, divination, utilize things, that is the what we call the active part of sorcery, where they are really connecting on to the demonic. But uh, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, the origin of it all, how it begins. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Okay, so the enemy, Satan, the other power. He's a created power. He's not the power. He's a created being. Mm. When he enters over there, he comes or through the serpent and he speaks to the woman. Mm. Remember, he has no power over them. He has no power over them. God has given them authority. He's given them the blessings to exercise dominion and subdue all and rule on his behalf. So he has no power. Okay. So what he comes is he first creates doubt. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree? He creates doubt in what God has said. Then you will see it goes into the stage two where he creates unbelief. Now when you say he creates, it can be created only if we receive it. Yes. If mm. we receive it. Mm. And then he, he tempts them. That's why he's called the tempter. He causes through temptation. Remember, he can only tempt. The action is theirs. The action is there. He tempts them. And they act on his words. And they break that one commandment God has given. And that is the beginning of the fall of man. Fall of man. 
when 1 John 5 and verse 19 says, whole world is in this way. It says, we know that we are of God. Mm. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. When it's talking about, now we are talking about not the secular limitation of witchcraft, we are talking about the entire world. So the simple question is, how does the entire world come under the sway of the wicked one? And how do believers come under the influence of the wicked one? Because you need to realize, that's why we looked at Genesis 3 first. How did he take over? It's by causing man who was given authority to rule the earth to think in his way. And contrary to what God had said. Spoken. Yeah. See, the devil is possessing only certain people. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's called demon possession. We see Gadarene is a man with a legion and then he has his sorcerers and witch doctors and all. But he controls the whole world through his thinking patterns. That is the witchcraft that is controlling. That's what it means, the whole world. That's what the Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. So mm-hmm. The question is, when you are thinking, for thinking, you need words, you need ideas. You need words and you need ideas. The whole, that's why the second question God asked them is, who told you? Mm-hmm. Who told you? So, that's how he controls. So the entire, going back to the question, you need to understand, when it's talking about the world, it's not just talking about people. It is talking about the structure in which we live. The structure. You see, the devil does not have to just use a lie alone to control man. All he has to do is mix lie and truth. Yes. Mm. See, that's why the Bible says God is light. Mm. There's no darkness, darkness. in him. There's no darkness in him. But what he does, what the devil does, is that he mixes. He mixes. Okay, he mixes. And then, but the problem is in God, there is no mixture. And it is that mixture that causes us to go down. You cannot mix light and darkness. You cannot mix truth and lies. But he will mix it. Like every salesman mixes. Is everything that he says true? No. no. Is everything that he says a lie? No. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. But if he were to actually tell the only truth, maybe his products won't sell. But when Jesus comes, he only speaks the truth. He only speaks the truth. That is where the issue comes in. When we say, how he does it is, witchcraft is a religion of the fallen man. Mm. Okay, so the witchcraft is not just the power factor. There is a power factor. Mm. Okay, the power factor. It is also the way we think. And when we think that way and we continue that way, mm. actually the demonic starts controlling our minds. Mm, okay. And whoever controls our minds controls our bodies. Bodies. That's why you see mass hysteria, the mobs and all. How is it? It's all being controlled by words. You have mob, all kind of things happening. But if you look, how did a mob get into frenzy? How did these things happen? Even at the individual case, a guy goes rapid and kills people or a mob goes into, how does it all happen? It all happens with here. The way they think, 
away their things. The question is, what was the source of their words? The source of their words was satanic in origin. And where did it begin? It began over there. So now what happens is, uh, Satan already planted the seed. Hmm. He already planted the seed. And in due season, it is being passed on. It is being passed on. So that's why this, the, in, if you go to Genesis 3, 15 and 16. Okay. Yeah, 15 is enough. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. The thing is that both his seed and God's seed both come from the woman. Both come from the woman. So it's not his seed. So the question to ask is your seed. Where is the devil's seed going to come from? <laughs> hey? uh, Eve produced two boys. Okay, One became the serpent seed, mm-hmm. Cain. The other, by faith, became God's seed. Mm. Okay, And Jesus would tell us very clearly in the gospel according to Mark, the sower was sowing the seed. And the seed is the word of God. The word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So the word of God is seed and it is incorruptible seed. So there are two kinds of seed. Seed here means people and also their thinking. See, nobody gives any two hoots about a madman because they know he's not able to think. If you want to use anybody, you need a person who is able to think. think. Is able to think. Okay, so that those are words. So you have Two things going simultaneously. Men with, when men are using the whole mankind, one part of mankind with corruptible seed, that's their thinking, and there is incorruptible seed that is thinking. We were born again by the incorruptible seed, and that should be the beginning of our breaking of the power of witchcraft. Now to us, God comes and says, now I tell you, there is only one way of walking. You cannot walk by sight. Mm. That's a corruptible way. That's witchcraft. The power of witchcraft will come by mm. him. Because he can manipulate your senses. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how he manipulated Eve's senses when she saw it was beautiful to eyes, good for this thing. And for Aqua, he manipulated the senses and she gave it. And after that, man became a sensual being. And he says, no, you shall walk by faith. So this is where it comes. If you want to break the power of witchcraft, meaning the power of the demonic, we are not talking about Christians being demon-possessed and demonization. Honestly, it doesn't have to do that. It doesn't have to do that. He just has to cause us to think in a particular way which is contrary to the word of God. He's already got that person. Hmm. Even if he's born again. Even if he's born again. He may be born again, but he's not thinking like a born-again person. He's still thinking something else. Okay? Like, like a baby. That's what I said. The baby, as long as he's a child, inherits everything, though he's heir of everything. Why? Because he's still thinking like a child. Mm-hmm. So Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. When I grew up, I put away all the childish things away. So real liberty, actually, that's why the Bible says, you were born again. It is, you, with your heart, you believe. The heart you believe, that's where it all begins. Faith comes in the heart of the heart a man believes and confession is made with the mouth. And post that, what the Bible is talking about is the renewing of the mind. The mind is already there, fully developed to think in a particular way. Hmm. Now you have to take that mind and cancel out all those things 
and just allow light to flood in. You have to reshape your thinking by the word of God. Mm. That is our that is our dream. Because we cannot be mindless beings. Mm-hmm. Because God has a mind, He has a soul, He thinks. Yes. So we God says, positionally speaking, seed form, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You have it. Now you are born again. You have believed in your heart. Allow the word of God to train you to think. What does it mean to renew your mind? What is the end of it? How would God think in a situation like this? What would God do? I'm facing a situation. How would God do? So that is why the Bible is not just doctrine. It is full of experiences of people of faith. Yes. And when they were in unbelief, and you will say, you know, if you're caught in a situation, because I don't think in principle wise, any human being who's born again will face anything in your life which is not covered either by doctrine or experience in the Bible. Both. You think about anything. You think about anything. You will realize it is covered. It is covered. So what happens is, as you, that's what I said, when you read the Bible, the whole purpose of the Bible is to generate faith. Mm. Why faith is a way of living. When you walk, but that's why 1 John 5.15 was very clear about it. No, 5.19. 5.19, 519, yeah. 1 John 5.19. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked. One. Mm. But we know we are of, of God. God. Exactly. We know we are of God. And then if you go to, if you are of God, then 1 John 5, 4 says, whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. Overcomes the world. What, what is he talking about the world? It's not talking about people. It is talking about a way of thinking. See, if you talk about martyrs, martyrs. Stephen was martyred. But when you will say, oh, Stephen died, he was killed. But he overcome the world. The world could not get him to think their way. Couldn't think. See, if he's, if they said, okay, change what you are saying, deny Christ, you can look and the world has overcome him. But he says, no. And they stone him. So, he, you see, Stephen is dead. But the word is not. That's what the Bible says. Abel is dead. But he still speaks. Why is it? Because when you recant, when you change what you believe which is true, what has happened, you have died, and in you, your testimony has died. The testimony of the living God in you has died, because you recant. You went back. Okay? The witchcraft has, witchcraft has won over you. But when he says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, positionally should overcome the world. And what is it? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is he? Our faith. Our faith. Our faith itself is, so faith Faith, you know, I can't hear Sam. Sami. Faith is what we call, okay, okay. Faith is what we call a way of living. And faith is a way of thinking. Because your living is absolutely, completely impacted by your thinking. And your believing. You need to realize, like I said yesterday, it's your believing that actually impacts your thinking. You may say with your mouth, it will have no effect mm. if you don't believe what you are yes. saying. Okay. You think what you believe, yeah. not believe what you think. Yes, you think actually what you believe. Yes. You think actually. That's why so many things do not happen to people in the kingdom of God because they say, I am thinking, I am saying. But the fact that they are thinking and saying, but they are not believing. 
don't, don't actually believe. Because the Bible, they actually don't believe. You know that you can say something which you don't believe. Yes. You can perfectly say something which you don't believe. Because the mind is an uh, instrument of its own. You can memorize an entire poem and say it beautifully. <laughs> without meaning, without it, meaning it or believing it at all. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when you believe something and you say it, it has a different effect. It has a different effect. So that is why faith also comes from the heart. Sight also comes from the heart. It doesn't come from the mind. It also comes from the heart. It also comes from the heart. Like when Naomi is coming and says, I went full and God has brought me empty. Don't call me Mara. She's speaking from her heart. She's not speaking from her mind. She's speaking from her heart. And the problem is, whatever you speak from your heart and confess with your mouth, it will produce its fruit. Yes. That will become your reality. That will become your reality. reality. Yes. So heart is the center. That is why God is giving Mm. us a new heart by Mm. faith. And faith comes from the heart. It is the heart is the center. We are not talking about this thing. But it's talking about the hidden person of the heart, that new being spirit. You see, tomorrow we will hear more of it. But this is how you overcome the power of witchcraft. The power of witchcraft is, you see, now we are afflicted, No, we are tempted and opposed by smaller demonic beings and people with ideas and all. But when Jesus was tempted, he was tempted by Satan himself. And what is, if you go back to Matthew chapter 4, or Luke 4, whichever, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, if you look at it. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. What he's trying to do is change his thinking, how to face his reality. If he does, he gives power to the enemy. The power of witchcraft comes over him because he has changed the way he thinks. Hmm. But he says, it is written. This is the way I think. Mm. This is the way you are telling me to think because it always begins with that. Your thinking changes. What you believe changes. What you think changes. And what you say changes. If he has spoken what the devil says, stones will turn to bread. But the problem is now, instead of the spirit of God who led him into the wilderness, the devil has control over him. So don't look at your manifest reality. Don't look at the miracle. Look at who spoke to you. Whose words did you listen? Because that's what they're talking about. Lying signs and wonders. Yes. Signs doesn't mean that sign and the wonder are not real. Mm. The problem, the what words that empowered it, the thought that empowered is not the truth. Mm. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus said the devil is a liar. Mm-hmm. It's a liar. He spoke a lie. And you believed the lie. But you saw a manifested reality which is a miracle. The miracle does not make the lie truth. So Jesus is able to handle witchcraft. How does he handle the witchcraft? Because witchcraft has to be handled here. In the mind. In your mind. And what you believe. What you believe. Because if your belief is shaping your thinking, then the words that come also will be words of faith. What he is saying is, it is written. He says, I believe what is written. 
Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. A man believes with his heart and confesses with his mouth. So faith is actually of the heart. And Jesus' mind has been completely renewed by his belief structure. He has a belief structure in his heart and his mind is completely working accordingly. Not us. All of us get saved at various stages in our life. By then our mind has already been structured into a particular pattern. And then we hear this, we believe and we receive it. And now God says, now that you have been born again by the incorruptible seed of God, that is the word of God, now renew your mind. What you believe and your thinking has to now, your thinking has to change according to your beliefs. So as you receive by faith, your mind has to be renewed. You handle your mind and your heart, your words will follow. Because your, your, your mouth cannot speak what contradicts your heart and your mind. So the whole idea is to get your mind and heart in alignment. Once you get your heart and mind in alignment, your words will be words of faith. But if your mind, heart is believing in one thing, your mind is going anything, there will be already always a contradiction in your words. Sometimes you will pick words of faith, sometimes you will pick words of unbelief because there is a contradiction. But the issue is here, is here. That is why about Jesus, the thing is that right from the beginning, morning by morning, he's awakened and he's taught to think in a particular way. So our little children, if they are taught to think in a particular way and their faith in that person of God, you know what? Their, their uh, confession won't change. And that's why we have to be very, very careful before little children what we say. They should not see unbelief from us. They shouldn't hear unbelief from us. They should only hear faith. They should only hear faith. So this is where we have to be very, very careful. You want to stop the power of freedom of witchcraft. See, it's only when you have been free in your mind and in your heart then you are able to really exercise power over the external things. So Jesus could. Jesus, you will realize is that, I mean, we don't see people coming to that level. But when Jesus comes, demons are manifesting and they're crying out. Crying, and they are leaving. They are leaving. And he can command what's what happened. Because, because there is no area in his entire being where the witchcraft has a hold. Because his thinking is completely according to the mind of the Father. Amen. And his heart is full of faith. Okay. And that is why things used to happen when he speaks. We'll say, how come when he spoke, the wind became still and the storm ceased everything. Because you know what? All these things happened because of the fall of man. Before man fell, there was no sickness, there were no storms, there were no earthquakes, there was no famine, there was nothing. There was nothing, absolutely nothing. This all became as a result of the fall of man. So sin has come, devil has got power, he can create famines, he can create all that. But when the son of man comes upon whom there is absolutely no effect of sin at all and his mind and his heart is absolutely of faith, you know, when the wind ceases, the seas are still. And there is a situation, multiple times when there is a situation, what we would call famine, when you have a crowd and you have very little supply of food, you will realize he overrules famine over there. There is sickness, he overrules sickness. There is demon possession, he's overruled. There is death, he brings resurrection. How is he able to do that? It's simple, it's his thinking. Mm. And his heart are in alignment with wow. God's word. Mm. Okay. So for us, it is not easy. It's yes. very difficult for us. But is it possible? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is possible, yes. 
Not that we will do all these things and not that we will not do all these things because he told greater things than this you can do. So we cannot negate everything. But you need to realize witchcraft has power primarily in our thinking. And that's what Romans 1 would talk about. God gave them over. Where did the gima in their mind? A debased mind. mind. Because that's the power of witchcraft. That's what you're thinking. And the devil can control you easily. Uh, Pastor, in a, it's, it's not just, it's like, or the Jesus overcame the devil only in the, in the wilderness. It says that the devil was waiting for an opportune moment and he left him for the time being, but it was, he was always coming over, over and over and over, over again. Now after that he comes through people. Pe- people. people. So there's a question in question number five. I think it's very interesting, okay. the question, how it was uh, framed. Uh, this is John's Gospel chapter 14 verse 30, which says that ruler of the world has come and he, he has found, found nothing, nothing in me. So Jesus never sinned. Therefore he never allowed access to any of Satan's agents into him. We also can learn to deny Satan Satan access by repentance and turning to a life of obedience to God. Would you say this learning process also involves putting on the armor of God and spiritual watchfulness through prayer? So how how much does prayer effect uh, in fighting the power of witchcraft and the assault of the enemy over our lives? Okay. This is connected with this. Okay, like when when came to when he came to Jesus, Jesus says the ruler of this world has come, but he found nothing in him. He couldn't find any access because his mind and his heart are in absolute, absolute alignment. So there was no what you, when you're talking about the armor. Remember, it's a yeah, spiritual, spiritual yes, yes. There is no chink in his armor, and then he's got a shield of faith. The devil left him. He's using only the shield of faith in the wilderness. It is written. All the fiery darts of the enemy is using the shield of faith. He is not using the sword of the spirit and all that. Because this is temptation. This is not spiritual warfare. Okay. Spiritual warfare is when he starts in the ministry. What is your name? Leave. That is casting out. Warfare has begun. He's healing, casting out spirits of infirmity, spirits of demon. All that is, that is warfare has begun. People are getting saved and healed and delivered. That's warfare. Setting the captives free. That's his first sermon. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me. The warfare has begun. The kingdom of God has come and men of violence are taking it. But before that is a shield of faith. Hmm. The fellow is coming to tempt him and he just, every fiery dark, he is not using his sword against him. He's using the shield of faith. Even Peter also. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now what is happening is that what we need to realize when you're putting on the full armor of God, that is there, the armor of God. And the first and the most important thing when it comes to defense. Remember, the sword is in, is in, in offense. Okay. The first thing is, is the belt of truth. Which holds everything together. Put on the belt of truth. Guard your loins with the belt of truth. That's the most important thing because God's word is truth. Because if my mind is not structured, like I said, whenever we face, uh, see the Bible uses the same words called temptation, trial, test. Interchangeably uses temptations. Okay, if you go to James chapter 1 and verse 3. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 3. Hmm? Knowing that the test, uh, 1, 2. 1, 2. 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Hmm. Various trials. Other versions will use various temptations. Okay, trial, temptation. If you go to verse 13, 
verse 13 now, verse 13. Okay. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Hmm. God doesn't. God doesn't do that. Yeah. But the devil does. Devil does. Hmm. Okay. These are, these are fundamental things which we need to understand about God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. My simple question is, what do you believe God is? Because your perception about a person will ultimately change everything. Like, let us say, Richie is sitting here. Okay. What do I think about Richie? If I think basically he's a good boy, then it will affect everything else. Yes. But if I think basically he's an unreliable fellow, then whatever else I may do with him, that is the one that is causing my thinking. Yes, yes, yes. That's the undergirding truth. Undergirding <laughs> truth. So the simple question is, what do you believe about God? <laughs> A lot of people don't believe what they actually say. <laughs> we may think God is good and is good all the time. But the simple question is, do you really believe God is good all the time? If you really believe God is all the time, then your reactions will be different. Yes. Yeah. If you believe that God is good all the time, like it, even there, even there, okay, turn with me to the book of Job. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> book of Job. Jo- Job. Book of Job and chapter 1 itself. Job. <clears throat> Cha- sorry, chapter 2. And verse 10. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this job, Job did not sin with his lips. Mm. Okay, he did not sin with his lips. But let me ask this question. Is his testimony true about God? No. Adversity did not come from God. It came from the, the devil. devil. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> you, look so you need to ask yourself, is he God the author of my faith or is he the author of my adversity? Sickness is of the devil. Sickness is of the devil. Adversity is of the devil. Temptation is of the devil. These are all of, of the, the devil. devil. Yes. And God is saying through faith, faith you can overcome. Amen. So, see, we need to accept one thing. If adversity <coughs> is of God, then you cannot overcome it. No matter how much you try. Whatever you try, you cannot. Yes. So you have to basically believe God is not the author, author of evil. Yes. That's yes. what David, Joseph will say. You mm. meant it for evil. Mm. But God is the one he meant it for good. Mm. Okay. It is not that God meant it for evil and halfway around he changed his mind and said, let it be no, good. No. no. God never means anything for evil because mm-hmm. God cannot be Dude, tempted yes, by evil. Yes. Because if you believe, let me tell you this question. You have a sickness and you believe it is the will of God. Then why do you go to a doctor? Can you fight the will of God? Forget faith. Even if you go to a doctor, you cannot get well because you already accept it as the will of God. Hmm. See, this is where our fundamental issues happen because we do not have a... Though we say with our lips, God is good. We don't actually, it hasn't become our belief structure hmm. that God is actually, actually good, good all the, all time. the time. So yeah. you know what? That actually helps you to look at God differently in the midst of adversity. Wow. Yes. Adversity. When adversity comes, 
personal issues, family issues, office issues, whatever issue are going through, you know what? You are able to look at God with a completely different perspective of faith because you know what? Your belief structure is undergirded with this truth. God is good and is good all the time. He can never be bad. Never be bad. Can never be bad. And this should be our basic structure. That is where we have to come. Because mm. if, it doesn't matter what you think with your mind and speak with your mouth. That's not the question. What is that you believe in your heart? Mm. Like I said, even with a person. If you believe a person is fundamentally bad, then everything actually is colored by that. Colored by that. Oh, but if you fundamentally believe a person is good, like you see, David is a man who won't take revenge, but about two or three people before he dies, he fundamentally believes they are evil. Mm. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, Shemai. And Joab. Joab. So he tells Solomon, this is what you need to do with these people. Why does he say that? Because he fundamental, I'm not saying he's wrong, he's right. But his fundamental thinking about these people is that they are evil. Yeah. So you need to be watchful about them. He doesn't say about other people because he basically <laughs> thinks they are good. So we need to realize God is good all the time. God is good all the time. And that should be how we think about God. And after that, things will start. So it doesn't matter how much we hear the word of God. When we come to God, the simple question we need to ask is, what do I believe about God? God. Is he really good all the time? Mm -hmm. Is he really good all the time? Adversities happen. All these things happen. Is he really good? Yeah, we have to believe, yes, he's good. What happens to me? What happens to others? The calamities. Because when Turkey, 30,000 died, this place, this thing died, people say, where is God? If he's a good God, you got your theology wrong. God is good all the time. He cannot change. That's he is who he is. He is good all the time. But there is somebody who is called the wicked one, the evil one. The simple question is, who gave power to the evil one? We did. We did. The question is before man's fall. Was there any earthquake? No. Was there any forest fire? No. Was there any cyclones? No. Was there any storms? No. There was there any famine? No. There was was there any sickness? No. Was there any death? No. So nothing was there. Everything happened when the one to whom authority was given, he fell and gave the authority to somebody else. Because he says it very clearly. He says it very clearly. All this has been given unto to me. me. So who gave it? Adam, to Adam gave it. We do not know mm. how Adam was created exactly. before his fall. We don't know the authority mm. and the power that was. Because when God is talking, now you look at this whole earth. You look at this. We see the, the massive magnitude of the earth. And mm. listen to what God is telling Adam. And verse 28, Genesis 128. 1, 28. Did you see 128? Yes. Genesis 128. The Lord blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Subdue this earth. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the birds of the air. Over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is what is given to him. After the fall. Post fall. Do you see the, the dominion mankind exercises on these things? So what do you think the dominion that was given to them man. before the fall? Yes, yes, yes. This is a fallen man mm. using 
witchcraft and sorcery, what ways of thinking, thinking. using all these technological things and everything to, to subdue the earth. Mm. What would you be able to do with the power of God alone? Wow. <laughs> Jesus manifested the power of yes, God to right. see that. You look at Jesus. There was absolutely nothing he faced during the three and a half years of ministry that could subdue him. He subdued it all. Mm. He subdued seas and storms fish. and fish <laughs> and everything he subdued. Yes. Birds of the air. That was what was given to Adam. Mm. Yes. That was what was given to Adam. So we need to understand. So who gave this authority over? Gave it to Adam gave it to Satan. Because whoever you believe has power over you. As long as Adam believed God, it was the power of God working through Adam. As soon as Adam believed the devil, he passed it over to the devil. Now the devil controls his whole thing. And therefore we are called to be very, very careful about the wiles of the devil. Because once you are born again, he, he knows every born again child is a cause of trouble for him and danger for him. Because yes. they are born of incorruptible seeds. Sorry, incorruptible seeds. Seed. Mm. So God will say his primary way is he has many ways in which he brings people, and one of his primary ways is remember how he brought is temptation. Hmm. So he God says, your prayer life should be like, Lord, lead me not, not into, into temptation. temptation, deliver me from, from the power, power of the evil one. So one of the manifestations of the power of the evil one is temptation. So God says, you need to pray. Mm, so he will you know. tell them in the garden, watch mm, and pray, pray, because the flesh is, uh, spirit is willing, but the flesh is So in spiritual warfare, mm. one of the thing is, you need to be very watchful and prayerful mm. in these things. Because the ways of the enemy is very, very subtle. Very, very, very subtle. Mm. And Jesus was very watchful constantly. So you will see a pattern in his life. He knows he has come in the likeness of this flesh. So he will always realize early in the morning, he is watchful. He has a prayer life. What is he dealing with? He's not dealing with ministry. He's dealing with to see that his flesh does not fail him. It does not fail. Hmm. So prayer was a weapon that he used to be very, very watchful. So that's what the Bible is talking about. So you have to look at prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. But Jesus' prayer was primarily connected being very watchful with the enemy. Even on the Garden of Gethsemane, his prayer is to see that the enemy does not change God's purpose in his life. So he said, the temptation is very, that's what they call it, the final last temptation. The temptation is very strong to quit at the last moment. So how is he fighting that temptation? Prayer. In prayer. Hmm. He goes forward, falls on his face, and he cries, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away, but not my will. So he's fighting temptation. He's not fighting the devil, he's fighting temptation there. So this is what the Bible, that's what if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, seven it talks about that. Yes. Yes, in the days of his flesh. In the days of mm -hmm. his flesh. When he had offers prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death. And the Bible says, what death? Not on the death on the cross. The father did not save him from that death. Mm -hmm. He said, you have to die on the cross. But the father saved him every day from the death that comes from sinning. Mm -hmm. The wages of sin is death. He never sinned. Therefore, he never experienced that sin. He personally did not sin to personally experience death. What he experienced was our sin, sin upon him, sin. and he died for us. Yes, yes. So yes. he never died because of sin. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Reason, he was very watchful in his prayers. Very, very watchful. So all this has a part in it. All this is a part in it. Okay. That doesn't mean that if you don't pray and, uh, and you sin, you will go to hell. No, you will lose your rewards. So when the Bible says, arm yourself with the same mind of Christ Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, mm-hmm. who he was suffered in the flesh, how did, he, how did he handle it? It was through his prayer life mm-hmm. and his word life. He said, you know what, once you know the word life, first thing is the word life. Second thing, the word life is opposed by your own flesh. Your own flesh. Because Paul will say, the body is dead because of, of sin. sin. It's a body of death. It's not a body of life. It's a body of death. So your heart is full of faith. Your mind has been renewed. But still there is this body. Still there is a body. And that is where you move to the next level of faith where you, the Bible says, the very spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal Mortal bodies. Quicken your mortal bodies. Now your body is quickened by the spirit of God to do. And that is where God will can actually give you supernatural strength. Yes. That's why we will see Jesus serving God like that because his body has been quickened by the Spirit of God. You will see Paul being stoned to death and he gets up and he walks away. That's a clear distinction between the first man, he is a living soul, and the last second, the second man, man is a, a living, living life-giving life. spirit. And therefore, in the in the life-giving spirit in the second man, that is who is born, Christ, born after, yeah. God, after God, you'll see the life is not in the blood, blood anymore. Not, it, it is life is in the spirit. Spirit is life and not soul is not the life. I'll tell you how it works. We see this. Like you go to all these gyms and all over there, you will see people who have perfected their bodies. Bodies. The bodies. Okay? The bodies there. And it's a good discipline. Okay. You go to universities and all, you will see people who are disciplined, they're intellectuals. Mm. Intellectuals. You will see people who are like astics and all, who have disciplined their emotions. Mm. It's all part of your soul. Their will, your emotions, your intellect is all part of your soul. But we don't realize that is not the new man. Mm-hmm. The new man has to learn to hear in his spirit and discipline his spirit and live by the spirit, Mm. not by his soul. We are still living by our soul. We are still reading the word of God with our soul. We are still living a soulish life, a good life of the word of God, but that still will not defeat the devil. Mm. To defeat the devil is only one life, the life of the spirit. Mm. We haven't trained our spirit like the fellow in the gym has trained his body. Or the man in the university has trained his mind. We haven't trained our spirit. Because Jesus said a time is coming. Because God is a spirit. Mm. He has a soul, but God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And he says, true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. That is why we are not going by the principle of good and wrong. Good and evil. We are not going. We'll live by a completely different principle. Is it true or not? And whether it is true or not, you will be able to discern only in your spirit. And not in your soul, in your spirit. And sometimes what is true, the soul will find it only years later. Hmm. That's why the Bible says, so the spirit being, that is the newborn again, can only go by faith. Hmm. Because faith is the evidence of things unseen. Mm-hmm. If you can see it, then the, if you can see it and perceive it, your soul is coming into the picture. But the soul can see, the soul can understand. But soul, faith is not of the soul, the f- faith is of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Faith is not of the soul. We don't realize good 
Christians are still soulish beings because they're still trying to understand and then do. God says you will never understand. Faith. By faith you understand. That's why the Bible says the spiritual man judges yes, all things, things, but he himself is correctly judged. No man. Judge, no man. Because no man. every man who's judging him, even the good men who are judging me are judging with their soul. Because they're looking at his actions. It's such a foolish thing he's doing. And all, they can quote hundred scriptures for it. But the difference is this man has heard from God. And these people haven't heard from God. And everything they say is scientifically true. But it's not the truth. It's not the truth. Moses has heard from God. Stand and lift the rod. He has heard from God. Scientifically, if you lift a rod, nothing is going to happen. But the thing is that the man who has heard has to do it by faith. He cannot consult Aaron and her and all the others. They will say all those things don't work. These things don't work. Let us plan about making a set of boats. But it's too late. Let's turn and surrender. They'll come up with all and everything they say is factually true. But it's not the truth. Mm-hmm. It's not the truth. So the thing is that the man of God hears in the spirit. You see, none of them heard. Jesus only spoke to Joshua. Mm-hmm. Only spoke to Joshua. This is what you have to do for seven days. Now, if you think it, there is no explanation to the soulish man. No soulish man, today's modern, educated, seminary educated soulish man would obey Joshua. It will not happen. <laughs> Things like that don't happen. It's not possible. How can that happen? But this man has heard in the spirit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the one who appears to him physically is actually a spirit being. He's telling him something that happens in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You do that. And we are called to live by that. We need to realize faith is the life of the spirit man. Mm-hmm. It's not of the soul man. There are many things we understand. I mean, it's not that it is. See, science itself is set by rules of God. Mm. Of God, right? It's, it's of God. But there is another rule which God has put in, which is called the law of the spirit or the law of faith. They are not contrary to each other. Yes. It's the only thing that one overrules the other. Amen. It is like the rule of aerodynamics. Okay? The rule of uh, law of aerodynamics and the law of gravity are not contrary. Mm. They are not fighting each other. One just overrules the other. That's it. So when the law of aerodynamics is go- ha- happening, it doesn't mean the law of gravity has ceased. Mm-hmm. It hasn't ceased. So when a man is living by faith, it does not mean the law of sight. Only thing, it has overruled this law. Overruled this law. What overruled that? How is the beginning of it? It is from hearing. And where does this hearing come from? It comes from the word of God. And this word of God, that's why Jesus says, my words are spirit. Mm. He doesn't say my words are to the soul. Mm. Words are to the soul. He says my words are spirit. And the soulish man, even if he doesn't understand, just has to obey. Mm. Peter, do the sons of kings pay taxes? No No. master. Mm. They live, off. they live off taxes. <laughs> Yet, for the sake of righteousness, sake for the sake of you go over there, you put your rod, you'll get a fish. In the fish mouth, there will be this many, this will be a two drachma or whatever coin that is enough for your and my tax. Now his soul has to cease. Stop thinking. Stop thinking. Just do what the master has said. That's what first, that is how his first experience. Lord, all night we toiled, but at your word. Bah. At your, oh, his expert, experienced fisherman. 
Jesus is a carpenter. Sometimes the carpenter hears in the spirit what the fisherman has to do. And that is his breakthrough. If he doesn't listen, his breakthrough <laughs> is gone. He says, cast your net on the other side. Cast your net on the other side. Even your soulish training is not going to be done. <laughs> see, this, to, this, you see. He's not going to cut it actually. They, they, they send a report to Jesus by saying, Lazarus whom you love is dead. He's sick. Mm. And then dead. But every time Jesus is hearing in the spirit, mm. he said, no. It's for the glory of God. Mm. No, he's sleeping. Mm. No, he's dead. But let's go. Consistently he's hearing in his spirit. Mm. You know what? Jesus not only developed his body, because fit, he not only developed his, his soul, mind, but he was walking in the spirit. spirit. That is why the Bible is talking about walking in the spirit. Mm. We, we, have, we have developed our bodies and our souls. Mm. We haven't learned to develop our spirits. And God is a spirit. The new born again man is born of the spirit. And he is primarily a spirit being. So mm. we have to turn our entire thing and say, you know what? Because the entire world system is built by either the physically able man who are the laborers or the intellectually able man who makes them labor. Mm. So it is built on two constructs. Mm. That is the body and, and the soul. soul. And God comes and turns it and says, it is not the spirit man who will control. The spirit man who will control. Yep. So we have to think that way mm. and get our mind to listen to the spirit. Pastor, I think you should also tackle this question number six because it's the same thought. Uh, some preachers say a demonic stronghold is a thought process made of lies. Can it be a false belief yeah. system? Yeah. can be. It's also, I mean, it's not just that, but mm. it is. Mm -hmm. Because a demonic stronghold is a thought. See, that is when it becomes a stronghold. Mm. It's a stronghold. Stronghold. Okay, how did it? It came as an idea. You received it. You did it. You did it again and again and again and again. Now it's a stronghold. It can be a good stronghold or a bad stronghold. Two into two, four. Two into two, four. Two into two, four. Two into four, two. Now you wake up in midnight. Two into two, four. What has become? It's become a stronghold. Mm. Another fellow was told two into two, five, two into five, two into five. <laughs> now it has become another stronghold. So he will fight with everybody saying, no, two into two is five. It becomes a, a thought over practice becomes, that's what if you go to Joshua chapter five, one, right? Yeah, yeah five, one. Okay, six one. Six, six one, six one. Six one. Not five one six one. This is a stronghold. Mm. Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. That's a stronghold. You will not accept any other idea. The gates are shut. Okay. That's if that's a, I mean honestly, if, you, if once upon a later in life, if you become pastors and if you if you counsel people, one of the first things you need to realize is sometimes you don't waste time. If you listen five minutes to some people, you will realize they're shut up. They're shut. They will not receive counsel. That's it. They haven't come to Their receive. Mind is made up. They haven't come mm. to receive counsel. They have come basically to see whether you agree with their stronghold or not. Wow. And then you can't do anything to them. All you can do is pray and wait until some calamity causes them to change their thinking, and they're open. 
God is not. Because the problem is that Jericho will fall. Jericho will fall. The simple thing for Jericho to do was that just surrender. The Gibeonites were never killed. And when they were killed later, because they had made a pact with mm-hmm. okay, they didn't, they could have surrendered. But they, have, not. But they refused to surrender. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. We could surrender to the word of God, to the truth of God. See, this is where we need to realize. You go to that one, no? Iniquity and rebellion. Uh, so, so, 1523. 1523. 1 Samuel 15, 1523. 15, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Mm, yes. Okay. Now, don't worry about rebellion. Rebellion is not the actual issue. The issue is stubbornness. Stubbornness. You know, people are so stubborn. Stubbornness is like idolatry. You see, the idol doesn't move. It just sits like this. You can do whatever you want to move. An idol is very, very difficult. That fellow is very heavy. He won't move. And stubbornness is like idolatry. Somebody knows they are wrong. But they will not change their ways. Because they are stubborn. They are stubborn. You need to realize how these strongholds work. Stubbornness is a very, very dangerous stronghold. Very, very dangerous stronghold. See, the devil knows he's wrong. But he will never change. We think it's rebellion that is the problem. No, the rebellion will cease when stubbornness changes. But the problem is if you are stubborn, how will your rebellion change? Hmm. So, it is not to change your rebellion. All these things are basically framed to change your stubbornness. So, it took that prodigal son, that pig pen and hunger to eat the pig pots, which that man wouldn't give him. His stubbornness is broken. Till then he's hanging in there. I will not go back. If I go back, I will be not, I failed. I will not accept I am wrong. Daddy was wrong. Everybody is wrong. I am not wrong. Everybody else is wrong. And the father is still waiting. <laughs> so we are talking about his rebellion. No, his rebellion is already over. Because there is nothing to rebel against. Rebellion to rebel, you need power. power. He has no power. He's powerless. Rebellion is over. But stubbornness, it's not over yet. I will die, but I will not go. Something like that. <laughs> you look in the people in the prison. They are all locked up. Maximum security. The rebellion is over. If they rebel, the cops will beat them up. But the stubbornness is not over. They will not change. They're still sitting there and says, I am waiting for my release. When I release, I will do double what I did. Wow. So it was not rebellion. It was a stubbornness. Mm. Stubbornness. So we have to identify these things. Mm. You know? That's why the God was talking about the stubborn will be suddenly destroyed. Without any remedy. Yes. Without any remedy. Mm. Okay. Is God who destroying him? Honestly, no. Like Supreme Court, full benches, hanging to death. And then the judges all take a car, go to the prison, pull this fellow and hang them. Do they do that? <laughs> No, they don't do that. They just pass a sentence. And the law its own takes its course. In the same way, God has set into motion a whole set of laws. He said, if you eat of it, you, you will, will die. A whole set of laws are set. You fall from the roof. You can't say, God pushed me down. No, gravity pulled you down. Because God set the law. You defied the law. Mm. So there are so many spiritual laws set into motion mm. by God. So God is not tempted by evil at all. Mm-hmm. God is not the perpetrator of evil. And when justice happens, it may look as evil to you, but it is not evil. It is justice. Yes. 
the, the judge sentences you for whatever crime you did. You're put for six years under bar. He's a wicked judge. You know, he no, was just. He was just. And what happened to you, you can call it evil. But that is not evil what happened to you. Justice. What happened to you is justice. On the other hand, if it happens to an innocent man, it is evil. evil. Yep. It is evil. When it happens to a guilty man, it is not evil. It is called justice. So we have to look at things differently. Mm. And then all we will be able to handle the issues we are facing. Going back to that question. Go back to the question. It's a very important question. We have to realize demonic strongholds are a thought process. Yes, yes. Made of lies. Mm -hmm. Made of lies. Okay. So that is where you shall know the truth. Truth. And the truth Truth shall shall set set you you free. That stronghold. So Jericho is a stronghold. Mm. It's a stronghold. And it has to, it has to come down. It has to come down. Sometimes it doesn't come down. People in their stubbornness live with their stronghold and die in their stronghold. They may not be rebels. Hmm. Outwardly, they may not be rebels. But you cannot move them. And therefore, God can't use them. Beyond their point, He cannot use them. Because they refuse to deal with their own stubbornness. Refuse to deal with their stubbornness. You know, if you look at King Saul, have you noticed? He's not a rebel. He's a stubborn, stubborn fellow. fellow. I mean, what did he do in rebellion? What did he do? You know? His stupidity was going after David. That was jealousy, envy and everything and all. But before David came into this picture, he disobeyed God when it come to the Agakites. But if you look, he's set in his own way. That is stubbornness. So we need to deal with this. That is why the first thing God says, He said, if you are willing and obedient. Willingness is the opposite of stubbornness. Yes. Obedience is the opposite of rebellion. Behold, mm-hmm. I have come to do your will. So Jesus comes mm-hmm. as a willing vessel and He is not stubborn, stubborn at, all. at all. Full of the word, full of His God is all. What is waiting 30 years? No, step. Father, why are you delaying me? I want to come back up here. No stubbornness at all. No stubbornness mm-hmm. at all. We have to deal with these things. These things are actual mental strongholds. You know, like we say it in English, my way or the highway. Wow. Pastor, yeah. is it, if, if, if you look through the Bible, you'll see that God has an issue with mostly, most of the time His people. He says, uh, through to Ezekiel, he says, I'm giving you this word and I'm sending you to an obstinate and a rebellious generation. It's not that he doesn't have issues with other people. He doesn't even consider them. They're outside the covenant. So they're without God. So why should God deal with people who are without God? There's no point talking to them. He's only made in the old covenant, we know. He's made only a covenant with a particular set of people. Mm. But they are the ones who are covenant with his words. The others, we don't know. If he goes to them, they'll be equally stubborn. It's not that all the Gentiles believed. All the Gentiles killed off everybody to whom the preachers came, even here. They didn't listen. So they were also stubborn. But the thing is that God is dealing with his people, Israel. And they have access to the truth. They have a history of God's power and his miracles and his goodness. All they have enjoyed and they're still stubborn. Because the problem is when they go into, when you go into idol, this is what idolatry does. Because the nature of an idol is stubbornness. Mm. That's why we are called to flee idols. Mm. What is idol? What is, that stubborn. what is you want? Mm. What is that you want? Center. Mm. So the simple thing is, the Bible says, that's not the way. You want to break stubbornness, ask Lord, what do you want? 
the first thing that happens in the encounter on the road to Damascus is stubbornness is gone. gone. What do you want? And he's never stubborn. Yes. He's willing. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? All the way through. Mm. We have to deal with stubbornness. Because if we don't deal with some stubbornness, even if we are saved, we will not go forward in the life of, of that which God has for us. Yes. 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 Cannot. Now, these are simple fundamental principles. And that is the biggest what are the biggest strongholds in our mind? Okay, because it is a stubbornness which is stopping us to change our thinking and our ways, hmm. and it's connected with the self. What will people think about me? All these years, I I believed in this and I did this. Now tomorrow, if I change, they will all. No, it's not a question about what people think about you. The simple question is, is it true or not? Even if it is a lie, and you lived that life for forty-five years. It was 45 years or 50 years. If it is a lie, it's better to get rid of it. Hmm. Get rid of it. And they are stubborn. Because the Bible says very clear in Joshua chapter 2, the, their hearts had melted because of okay. fear. Hmm. For 40 years. Because they had heard what the God, God of Israel has done. And then they crossed the river. They heard about Pharaoh. They heard about the Red Sea. They heard what they did to the king. And of Bashan. Then they saw the hmm. river Jordan. Still the shadow. Yeah. They will not allow any idea to get in. They will not allow anybody from Jericho to go and join that. No. We will not allow them to get in and you will die with us. That's the thing. That is stubbornness. That is there all around the world. It can be. Oh, even in the Christian denomination. Once I remember I was talking with a Baptist Naga pastor and I was explaining to him from scripture the baptism of the Holy Spirit over and I showed him and all. He says, you see all that? Do you agree? You tell me. Do you agree? Agree. So what do you have to say? I was born a Baptist. I will die a Baptist. <laughs> Derek Prince says, what is prejudice? Please don't confuse me to the cat with the facts. I'm already made up my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I already made up my mind. The question is never asked whether your made up mind is right or wrong is not the problem. I have made, I made up, up my, my mind. mind. I am not going to. <laughs> don't confuse me with the stubborn. facts. <laughs> and in that stubbornness people die. Stubbornness people die. And that's a very, that is a very, very powerful mm. stronghold. And out of stubbornness, you see, you could be stubborn and never be a rebel. <laughs> and you look at the outward and people say, oh, he's such a nice guy. But you cannot get him to do anything other than what he likes. Yes. <laughs> he's a willing stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> he's not willing and obedient. Okay, that's, that is why we have to understand. See, one of the first things when you join the military is that they break your stubbornness. stubbornness. You listen to what we say. We right? say, you don't do what you like. You do what we like. That's it. Period. <laughs> See, a man may be very good in what he does, but what he does is what he likes. He still can't be used by God. Mm -hmm. I still remember my first pastor telling me as a young man, he's telling me, James, your obedience is not <laughs> tested when you are told what you like. Mm -hmm. The test of your obedience is when you are told what you don't like. Hmm. That is when you will know whether you are stubborn or not. Stubborn or not. And hmm. Moses comes in Genesis or Exodus 4 as very stubborn. 
because he does not like what God is telling him. If Satan come by you, and God gets angry. angry. You need to realize God got angry with Moses. Why? Because he's looking. Forty years I waited to break this in you. And then still, forty years you're still stuck. <laughs> still stuck. <laughs> he's basically telling God, "My way or no other way." <laughs> God says, "You better pick that rod and go. Your brother is coming. He will speak." On your behalf. Mm. But that stubbornness would cost him. Mm. It really cost him. If he had not given, hung on to his stubbornness and Aaron was not his spokesperson, so much of the damage that happened would not have happened. His stubbornness cost him and his stubbornness cost Israel. You need to understand. Yes, and that is where we have to be very, very careful, especially parents with small children. Mm. You do not let children have their way. Yeah. You are sowing the seed of destruction in them. The child should, yeah, they should enjoy things and all, but they should not be allowed to have their way because you, what you are, you are feeding their stubbornness. Feeding their That doesn't mean beat them up also because then they will become even more, they will react negatively, mm-hmm. but you have to deal with that stubbornness and ask God guidance. Because that's the first thing that God is dealing with his son. Morning by morning, God awakened him. Will he be stubborn? He did not turn his back. He did not rebellious. turn his back. And he was not rebellious. Mm. He was neither stubborn nor rebellious. Mm. We are stubborn. We turn around. Then he says, no, not today. We are rebellious. Till the end, he's willing and he's obedient. Opposite of rebellion is obedience. Opposite of stubbornness is willingness. And that's Joseph. Son, your brothers are there and she came. Will you go? Here I am. Mm, Here I am. He's not stubborn. Actually, how long did it take God to bring uh, Moses to the point where he says, here I am, actually, and then still he's cut. (laughs) How easy it was for God to speak to to Samuel. Samuel, yes. Not stubborn. Very Hmm. easily the parents are dealt with it. He's a willing and obedient kid. No stubbornness in him at all. Mm. Absolutely. Very early he started hearing and he's speaking. Yes. Also, there were so many questions uh, in the previous uh, weeks where we're talking about still about uh, demonic strongholds, spiritual warfare, etc. This is, I think you should deal with this one also because we're doing the same topic. Question number 10, if you will. It's got two parts. There are different doorways we can open for demons to get a foothold in our lives. Question number 10. Okay. Voluntary doorways, involuntary doorways, weakness in our self-control, ignorance about the kingdom of darkness. Once we get saved, we can shut the doorways with the blood of Jesus, right? And verse 10, uh, the next one also says, Jesus also demonstrated to his disciples how to use authority. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 12 to, 12, to, uh, 12 to 14 and 20 to 23. He also taught his disciples how to use faith and, and kingdom authority. How come it does not work all the time with us, is it due to lack of faith or unbelief? Okay, let's go to the first part. The first part. We can open for the demons to get a foothold in our lives. Okay, first we need to realize when we came into the kingdom of God, we came with so many strongholds in our mind. We may not be demonized, but we have strongholds in our thinking patterns. That's how they control our thinking, voluntary, involuntary. And our biggest, biggest enemy of victory 
as the word of god says first and foremost is ignorance mm. yes my people are destroyed because. by the lack of knowledge mm-hmm. of who god is what his kingdom is how does his kingdom work so please understand when god is telling joshua meditate upon my word day and night mm. he's not telling you to meditate upon the word the way we think meditation he says when you meditate upon my word you will understand in the law which i have given our principles how which my kingdom works the spiritual realm of my kingdom works mm-hmm. we need to understand that yes. if you don't understand that and obey that if you obey it it will work for you if you disobey it will work against you there are principles through it all that's why he's saying in the new covenant seek ye first the kingdom of god the first and the foremost way of destruction for a child of god is not understanding how the kingdom of god works mm. because the kingdom of god works the way god works yes it's just a man outward physical spiritual manifestation of the person mm. of the person manifestation of the person and the kingdom of god is it is like that so here what happens is our first thing is the ignorance of the kingdom of god and the ignorance of the kingdom of darkness we need to know how it both works once we get saved we have just begun the journey salvation is the beginning of the journey mm-hmm. we cannot shut the doorways just with the blood of jesus mm-hmm. the only thing that the blood of jesus right now is doing is that you cannot be destroyed mm-hmm. you are eternally saved mm-hmm. you are under the blood yes. okay mm-hmm. so once they were under the blood the destroyer has to pass over them they mm-hmm. couldn't they couldn't be destroyed yes okay that's the whole thing your spirit has been born again the devil has lost his power of your eternal yes soul eternal that is over now from there onwards what you need to do is your soul has to be transformed mm. okay the soul has to be that's what the bible is talking about mm. the renewing do not conform because all this while you are conforming without knowingly and knowingly you conform the pattern of the world you have no choice that's the culture you are born in that's the culture you are growing up and your thought patterns is shaped by all the people in your culture your parents your grandparents your relatives your teachers your school and modern days all the media everything your mind structure is controlled by them talk about a typical case of a person who was never in the church hears the gospel gets saved okay mm-hmm. yes no that's why jesus is saying go to the lost sheep of israel and preach the kingdom of god don't go to the others because they won't understand what you are preaching yes. because they have no structure from where Absolutely. to understand to listen to make out what you are telling no they have no they have no, no you, see, you see let me ask you this question there are few of you sitting over here can you remember anything of your early childhood nothing other than what your parents tell you you know why because there were no words mm-hmm. in your mind there were no words you look at a baby the baby when it looks at you the we are seeing what the baby is seeing the is saying but the fact of the matter is nobody has any clue because to understand something you need words and words is basically what is language oh. we had no words so the further somebody could say <coughs> yeah i remember when i was 4 years old the fact of the matter is you don't remember when you grew up your mother told you four years this happened to you it part became a part of your consciousness one minute okay? yes, just just going to read two or three pages yeah no so we need to we need to realize then as we started growing up as we started growing up what happened is as we started growing up what happened is 
Bas, one second, bas, please. Yeah, that's no problem. Come on. <coughs> that is John Ritchie for all those who are watching. Unless he has passed. Mm-hmm. He has passed it. Mm-hmm. Good me also, if you don't mind. Oh, that's too much. That's a that's a thing. Yeah, please understand this. So all these thought patterns came came in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and thought patterns, all of them are not wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we went by the Garden of Eden principle. We taught our children what is this good, is good, and this, this is, is bad. This is good. This is bad. That's what the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, our fathers, as far as they knew, some fathers knew more, some fathers knew less, some fathers were not bothered at all. But there is this disciplining of do good and bad, good mm. and bad, this is good, this is bad, do this, don't do this, do. that is how our structure was framed. Then we got into our own peer group for him, uh, what is good is bad, what is bad is good, so another structure came in. So we were split into two beings. So mm. what we did at home and what we did outside were two different lives. We all split. Mm. Because if you want to be with them, you have to do what they say. But if you come and say this, you will get into trouble. So we lived two different lives. That's how we were all became hypocrites. We had two lives. So this is our basic structure. <laughs> <laughs> then Christ comes into this structure and he starts speaking. Mm. Strike structure. Okay. And then he comes and he says, you have to live by faith. If he hadn't used that word, live, it would have been much more simpler. But the problem is, he says, you live by faith. Mm-hmm. So living is a 24 into 7 into 365 day activity. Now the thing is that we know how to live by sight. Mm-hmm. Nobody had to tell us. We knew how to live by sight. Now we have to retrain our entire being how to live by faith. Mm. Certain things of sight may agree with this. Certain things may not. Or many things may not. But that is the only way you are called to live. If you don't live that way, then God says, I will not be pleased with you. Mm. So the simple thing is that first we have to change our compass. Who do I want to please? Because we live by another principle. I want to please myself. Or I want to please others. Either he's a self-pleasing fellow or a people-pleasing man. This is what we were. We were split between two. We wanted to please ourselves. We wanted to please others. We wanted to please ourselves. We wanted to please others. And suddenly we come to this thing and says, it is neither about you or others. It is about God. Amen. So faith has its so many facets. It's mm. impossible to please God without, without faith. faith. I asked that revival meeting, rewrite the sentence using the word possible. Meaning, it is possible to please God only by, by faith. faith. So the simple question is, do you want to please God? Hmm. And the thing is that many people, or if not most people who are actually saved, are not interested in pleasing God. Wow. I am saved, thank you Lord. Now would you please leave me alone? I will come Sunday with thought fail, I will come and put in my tithes also. But can I live my life here? I mean, I'm trouble. I definitely will come to you. Please help me to us. <laughs> so, this is where we need to understand. So, when you are talking about faith, it is it the facets of like when you are talking about sight, right? When you are talking about sight, sight pervaded our entire life. Hmm. Can you put sight into one little bracket? No, no. Touched every aspect of our life. Now God says, you have to retrain yourself. You have to learn to live by faith. The problem is, sight comes from so many sources. 
father says, mother says, brother says, sister says, doctor says, engineer, everywhere you have so many voices. For faith, there's only one voice. Voice. Only one voice. Bah. That is the issue. Only one voice it is the voice of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. The problem is, if you are going to try to live by faith, listening to this one voice, you have surrounded by people who are listening to multiple voices except this voice. Then you are in trouble. Why do you think they hated Moses? Why do you think his brother and sister opposed him? Why do you think his entire eldership opposed him? Why do you think the whole congregation opposed him? The simple thing is that this man alone is hearing from God and they are not hearing. And they don't want to accept he is right. And they are wrong. So they, But the problem is they are a congregation of God. So every time there is an opposition, they are saying we also hear from God. But the problem is they are not hearing from God. But they are claiming to hear from God. They are saying, you are not the only one holy. We are all holy. But holiness is not a set of behavior. Holiness is being connected to the holy one. And he is the only one who is connected to the holy one. Mm. We, are under, we are not even understanding the concept about the whole, how to become holy. Mm. Holiness is not like religion says a set of precepts and activities and all. And if doings. you go by that, mm. we are all holy. But mm. if you go by a relationship with God, Moses is holy. So you will see he is being opposed at every time because he is the only one here. Mm. That's why Paul will say in the new covenant, Moses judges all things, but poor man is never judged rightly by anybody. He is not judged rightly by anybody, but is correctly judged by God. There is no other man in the camp like him. I am the meekest man on earth. I speak to him face to face. But that is not how the others see him. Even though it is available for everybody. Yes. No, no, no. That is not how they see Moses. Ah, yeah, exactly, exactly. See, how God sees Moses mm. and people see Moses are completely different. How mm. the brothers see David and how God sees David sees is completely David, yeah. different. Mm. The prophet doesn't see David. His brothers say, you are very proud. God says, he's a very meek boy. Mm. But the question is, can you live like that? Like we say, playing to the audience of one. One. Can you live like that? It is easy for John the Baptist to live in the wilderness and then come and preach and stay separated when Jesus walked among the crowds and remained pleasing to his father Mm. all the way. Jesus did not live in the wilderness until he was revealed to the people. John did. Mm. But Jesus was right in Nazareth, Mm. just like anybody else. And therefore, they did not believe him when he came there because of their unbelief. He couldn't do anything Mm. because they said, isn't he Mary's son? Isn't he a carpenter? So you need to realize Jesus was in the middle of it and lived a life of faith. Mm. And his father was pleased with Mm. him. So first thing is our ignorance. Okay, Our ignorance. We can now... uh, when you are talking about closing doorways and all that, you see, there's no point in, we say, closing the door after the thief has got him. First, you have to kick that fellow out. Then shut the door. Hallelujah. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind and I seal my mind with the blood of Jesus. But all your thought life is wonky. Now the problem is if you seal that mind, this thought life can't go because you sealed it. (laughs) 
You have heard stories like that, no? The thief got in. By mistake, he pulled the door and the door got automatically locked. Now he can't get out. <laughs> the signal and the police come and catch him and take him away. Mm. You are sealing everything. But what are you sealing within? The question is not whether the sealing works or not. The question is, what are you sealing within? Does your thought life agree with the word of God? Like we need to understand. Sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes it's it's like Samuel. God is telling Samuel, you're looking at the outward. God looks at the heart. Sometimes we judge people absolutely wrongly because we look at the outward. Like let us use an illustration. Last Sunday, we had guests. You know, guests, a couple of families who had come from Australia. And there was this one sister. By mistake, she came to our church. She was supposed to go to another church, but she came over there and said, Now, if you were to look at her, you look at her, you know, she's got short hair and she's wearing slacks and t-shirt and all doesn't fit in with our kind of this thing, okay? That's our first response. Response, mm. because we looked at the outward man. And that's how I believe many people must have thought of that. But you didn't hear her testimony, which she shared with many people, but she didn't share that testimony with anybody except me, because I'm the pastor. She told him, Pastor, very early in life when I got married, I heard from the Lord, from Scripture, Submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. So I decided to follow it. And I was a housewife. I brought up a child. I think around for 15 years or so. And recently my husband told me, don't you think you're well qualified? Shouldn't you start something on your own? And she said, I waited until God spoke through him. I refused to take a step because I went by what scripture said. And then he said, God just has prospered me. I'm a trainer. I have if I go to different places and trains, but I waited until God spoke through my believing husband. I refused to go against him in any way. So you look at the person and you look at this and say, Now you ask this question. <laughs> Can you get to women like that? <laughs> Who looks at the word of God, understands the truth of it, and says, You know what? I will go back and I'm willing to wait ten years. This is what God has said. Mm. And I have a godly man. And I'm not going to overrule anything. This is what the spirit of it is. This is what the truth is. And I'm willing to wait. Mm. 10 years, 15 years is nothing. I am willing to wait. Why? Because that is what God said. Now, that is an act of faith. Mm. That is an act of faith. The pro- That's what I said. It is not what you think or what you say. The question is, do you believe what is written? Do you really believe what is written? Because if you really believe what is written, and then you actually say it and do it, it has power. It has power. And that's why Jesus had that power. Jesus, when he commanded, things happened. Because you know what? He believed every word that was written. And he lived that way. The father said, you don't have to do anything for 30 years. Okay? It's okay. I have come to do your will, not my will. This has already been settled in heaven. It will be settled on also on earth. I have come to do your will. I am good with it. And then the Spirit of God is leading him into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. He's not asking, do I need to be tested? We created this man, this devil, Lucifer. Do I need to be tested by him? Is there any questions? No questions. No questions being asked. He's willing and he's obedient. 
And when he's willing and he's a willing and an obedient vessel, you need to realize the power of God is flowing. It's flowing. It's flowing. Even then, if you read the Gospels, when he comes to places like his own hometown, he was amazed by their unbelief. And he couldn't do anything mighty except heal a few people who had fever or headache or something. Even though he was filled with the fullness of God and he's living a life of faith, people can stop the work of God simply by your unbelief because God will not overrule your will. Just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. So that is the autonomy of the man which God has given. Mm. Jesus couldn't do anything. So Jesus couldn't do anything. We shouldn't be upset if we can't do anything. Can't do anything. So this is this is and going to the second part of it. When we come to the second part of it, question ten. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. the authority okay. where he curses the fig tree and it. Yeah, no? How come it does not work all the is it due to lack of faith or unbelief? Now, you, you also need to realize is that to come to that point, to come to that point, I'm not saying it is easy to come to that point, but that's because it is not easy. I will also not say it is impossible. It's impossible. But the thing is that if you go through Jesus' statements he makes, especially in the Gospel according to John, he says it very clearly. I never said or did anything which I had not heard or seen my father do. Therefore, I believe even when he is cursing the fig tree, it is the absolute will of his father. Will of his father. So once we are absolutely saturated in the will of God, okay, that's what we see in the book of Joshua. Now Joshua fumbles after the first defeat. He fumbles and all that. Then he gets up it. And then after that he understands the heart of God and the will of God. Mm. And he's battling time. There's a battle going on. The enemy has to be defeated before sunset. And, he's, and he understands the will of God. And he just doesn't even ask. He just says, stop. And the Bible says, God heard a man and stopped the course of time. He stopped time for a man who was absolutely sold to the purpose of God. What is that? To subdue the enemies of God. And that's what we need to realize. Personally, taking it as a spiritual application. When we come to that point in our life where we are completely swallowed by the will of God personally for us, that God wants to defeat these enemies in our life, life your age does not matter. Mm. God will stop time for you. Okay. That's what he did with Moses. That's why 120 Moses is still as young as he was. His eyesight, his vigor, nothing has changed. Why? God stopped time for him. How can you make a man age who is walking absolutely in the will of God? 40 years he's only disobeyed God once. Only once. Think about it. Forty years only once. He has absolutely walked in the obedience and with the heart of God, the mercy, compassion, love, and the heart of God he has walked. How can that man lose his vigor? So God literally stopped time for him. Mm -hmm. But he said, you have to die because I can't take my word back. I told you, you will not enter. So the time has come. Everybody is dead. You are the last man standing. Once you die, only they can enter. So let's go up. You have, we have to look at these things. We have to. That's what Jesus is also talking about. I will lay down my life. I'll pick it up again. He can't be killed. Mm. He cannot be killed. Okay. Mm. 
he ha- to kill him, he has to sin. Hmm. He's born without sin, lived without sin. How do you kill him? Yeah. Death has no power over him. Even if you put everybody's sin over him, he is still sinless. Yeah. How do you? So he says, you know what? You put the sin on. I will personally take it and I will put down my life. He says, I will lay down my life okay. and I will pick it up. So you will see at no level in his life he will allow Satan to mm. have any hold over him. Mm-hmm. So even his death is different. His death is not the same. He did not, he came in the likeness of our flesh, but he was not carrying a body of death. Hmm. There is no sin in him. Yeah. It's no sin in him. Actually, it will, Acts chapter 2 verse 24 will actually talk about that. You can see that Acts chapter 2 24 is a fantastic verse where you get the same thought with children. Whom God raised. 23 and 24. Okay, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Mm -hmm. But God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held held by by death. death. Death couldn't hold him. (laughs) How can death hold him? You need to give at least one sin to hold him. Wages (laughs) of sin is death. But where there is no sin, there is death. So show one sin. There is no sin. That is our evidence. The book God says He made us perfect with one offering. So when we are born again, that new born again person is without sin. Amen. That is our hope. Hallelujah. What is our hope? Our good works? What is no, no. You, can, you have been born, born of that incorruptible seed. That is your hope. That is your hope. Okay, because wages of sin, that law still works. Hallelujah. Law still works, which is of sin is death. But the new born again person has been born by the incorruptible word of God, and that person is incapable of sinning. Amen. Of sin. Amen. But that person may grow or not. If it is not grown, he's just like a child. Yes. Like a child. Is he heir of everything? Yes. Will he inherit anything? No. No. Because he hasn't grown. To grow is a life of faith. Pastor, I think there's one more question which is on the same lines because you're talking about uh, born again, etc. Last question of, I mean, question number 19, last question in that list, okay? It's been there for a while. Maybe you should answer this. Uh, 19, yeah. When did, when did men become sons of devil as said by Jesus? Okay. When did men become sons of devil as said by Jesus? We see Adam as a son of God in the genealogy in all the gospel that is gospel and God of Luke. How is it different and what has changed when we are born again? What must we understand from the first statement so that we know we are not part of the first statement that is being the sons of devil? Okay. Adam was the son of God because it's God who created him. But when the fall came, mm. when the fall came, okay, you see, fatherhood is not a physical reality. Mm. It's a spiritual reality. Yes, absolutely. See, the other thing is just a biological process. Yep, yep, yep. That is not the whole thing. That's not the whole thing. Fatherhood is an authoritative figure whose words are basically law to the child. Mm. Law to the child. When the woman is saying, being said, separate your husband in all things as unto the law, it is not just for her sake, it's also for the sake of the children. Mm. Sake of the children. So the father is not just a biological thing. It's an authoritative figure. Okay. So God created Adam and God, Adam is called the son of God. Son of God. Angels are also called the sons of God. When your son is in virtue of creation, God has different kinds of sons. Angelic beings are one kind of sons. Humans, 
Adam was uh, a direct creation, right? Direct creation, son of mm-hmm. God. But when he fell and he listened to another voice, though it is God who created him, he is mm-hmm. accepting the authority of another one. Mm-hmm. Accepting the authority mm-hmm. of another one. Mm-hmm. So now it is not God who is speaking to him; it is devil whom he listened. We don't know much about Adam at all. Because the Bible is silent about Adam. But you will realize, like we looked at Genesis 3.15, God will make a differentiation over there. Two seeds are there. Your seed and her seed. Mm. Your seed and her. But her seed is only one. Mm. Her, seed is, her seed is S's capital. So if her seed is only one, the rest are all his seed. Mm-hmm. Rest are only all his seed. Yes. So everyone that is born of woman is his seed. Mm. The only one who is born of woman, which is not the serpent seed, is Christ. Mm. So to become God's seed, the only way you can become God's seed is, spiritually speaking, is by faith. Mm. Because by faith, faith comes from? So your authority structure is now God and not the devil. So the Bible says, by faith, Abel. So though he is born of the serpent seed, he spiritually changes his directory by taking his authority from what God has spoken. So by faith, Enoch. By Mm. faith, Noah. They were were all, Mm. like we were all, born Born of serpent seed. seed. But we change the structure Mm. through faith. Amen. But in our case, unlike them, we were spiritually actually born again. For them, that's what Jesus is talking about. All who are born of women, the greatest is John the Baptist. <coughs> but the least in the kingdom of God. Unlike them, they could only, figuratively speaking, change the authority structure by hearing and believing and obeying. But for us, we are born again. They were not born again. You need to understand the, the difference. Okay, let us say um, you have this. What is this? The name of this guy who has been sitting in the uh, Russian embassy, the CIA guy who had taken a. Let us say a mm-hmm. Pakistani guy runs into the Indian consulate and asks for asylum. And without anybody realizing, the Indian government flies him into India and gives him asylum. But he is a Pakistani. <coughs> But he has come to India. He has been given asylum and after two years, government gives him citizenship. <coughs> citizenship. Okay? Yeah, Edward Snowden. Okay? He has been given a citizenship. Now, he was born a Pakistani. Now, he was given Indian citizenship. Okay? That's all. That's the old covenant people. We are not like, we are born again. Born again. Into the kingdom. Into the kingdom of God. We are born again into the so there is they only change the authority structure by hearing the word of God. But for us it's not changing authority structure from hearing the word of God. Our actual first hearing of the word of God is itself, about being born again. Itself is born again. It is not about works or anything. Yes, yes, yes. Because unlike in the old covenant, the new covenant we preach Christ. If you go to Acts uh, uh, eight, 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 four eight. or something. Yes, Philip went and he preached Christ. Yeah. Eight, eight. Acts eight, verse Acts four. Acts eight. Let's see. Is it eight, verse four? Yeah, verse five onwards. Yeah, you keep it. Yes, first eight. Yeah, verse five onwards. First one. Yeah. Verse five. Yeah. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and what did he preach? Christ. 
<coughs> raised from the dead then you are saved. saved then you are saved so he preached christ yeah. he preached christ over there so when he preaches christ what happens is people turn to christ mm-hmm. and all the miracles are happening if you look over there in the bible says in uh, verse 14 and then let's go back to the question when the apostles who were at jerusalem heard that samaria had received the word mm-hmm. of god you need to christ <laughs> word of god they, they preach christ and they the apostles the heard they received the word of god hmm. so if you haven't received christ you haven't you actually received born, the word of god again yes you are not been born again you haven't word. received the word mm-hmm. of god mm-hmm. you may so no but i got healed yeah, anybody mm-hmm. can get healed mm-hmm. that's just the power of god no i was delivered that is not the point that does not mean you receive the word of god if you have to receive the word of god you have to receive christ Hallelujah. so the new covenant believers beginning itself is a beginning of faith Yes, yes, just because you are healed or delivered does not mean yeah. you have received Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Because our beginning is the receiving of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay? And when we receive, we are born again by the Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ. We are born again. And now, our life is completely different from theirs. Mm. Completely different from theirs. That is why you will not read one portion, one place in the entire Old Covenant where God will tell you, the righteous shall live by faith you will not find any place let us say habakkuk 24 read what it is written it's faith 2424 habakkuk 24 habakkuk habakkuk h a b that's the best cook in the bible h a b we hold the proud his soul is not a pride in him but the just but the just shall live, live by, by his, his faith. faith just shall live by his faith mm. right mm. how is a just living by his faith mm-hmm. in god mm. because he cannot live by his faith in christ mm. because he doesn't even understand what christ is but uh, see how it is written in romans 117 mm. okay, or galatians 311 or hebrews yes. 1038 is completely it's not written mm. for in it in the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith and not by his faith <laughs> now you shall live by the faith of god mm mm-hmm. it is not his faith the faith itself is a gift no see mm-hmm. now what is happening is in the old covenant it was my faith 
in God. In the new covenant, it is God's faith in me. It's God's faith in me. Faith came. When Christ came, faith came. That faith, what does the faith brings in? The faith brings God in. His life, His ways, His thinking, His power. The more, and Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. What life? That's Zoe. What life is that? His life. His life. And Galatians, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by it. Never says his faith. In 10.38, Hebrews. Hebrews 10.38, same thing. Three places it is written. Hebrews 10.38. Just shall live by faith. Anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in it. So that is the difference that is talking place of there. So if you go back to that question over there, no, we go to the question, no. Nineteen. So when did the sons of the devil? Who? When did men became the sons of devil? Spiritually speaking, as soon as Adam and Eve listened to the devil and obeyed what he told them, they became his children. Though they were children of God, spiritually speaking. Who is your, whose child are you? Who are you listening Whoever to? has the authority over, oh, over you. Is the one. Your, Whoever yeah. is that you listen to is the one. What does father mean? Mm. Basically, father is not a biological thing. Mm. Father is somebody you listen to. Exactly. So if you don't listen to, mm. that's why in the new old covenant, they were called sons of Belial. Yeah. Okay, sons of the devil, because mm. you are listening to him. If you listen to the world system, he controls the world system. You are the sons of the devil because you are listening to them. You are listening to what he is saying through a different system. You want to be a son of God, Hmm. child of God. You have to listen to what God has said. Hmm. What did God say? He spoke through his son Jesus. He has spoken through. That is why the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And that is Bible says. Hmm. Philip preached summary. In summary, he preached Christ and the apostles heard that they had received the word of God. What does it mean? They received Christ, what God had done through his son. So their beginning is an act of faith. They are born again. Now that you are born again, this new man can only live one way. He cannot live by sight. He cannot live by sight. Man. He can live only by faith. But because the earlier you get born again, the faster you can grow in that life. The later it becomes it becomes a battle. But you have to, you have to fight it every day. That's what we are looking at in those days, you know, first uh, Timothy 6-12. 6-12, lay hold of eternal life. Yeah, fight so the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life. Yeah, 6-12. 6-12. 6-12. No, he's telling. Fight the good fight of faith. So what are you fighting? We say we are fighting the devil. No, you're not fighting the devil. You're fighting sight. Mm-hmm. See? You will say you are fighting flesh. But how does the flesh operate? It mm. operates by sight. You yep. are you're fighting sight. Fight the good fight of faith. And what can you do? You can mm. lay hold on eternal, eternal life. To which you are also called. Mm. And confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We looked at that yesterday. Right? This other way. What is the first manifestation of faith or sight? It's your words. It's See, Nobody can read your thoughts. You can read your thoughts. Yes. You can know from your thoughts whether you are thinking thoughts of faith or thinking thoughts of sight. You can. Hmm. God can. So the woman who had an issue of blood, she said to herself, God was hearing, if only she was thinking thoughts of faith. God said, next year, your wife will have a child. Sarah laughed. She laughed in her mind. God heard and said, why did you laugh? Mm. Because that laughter was not a laughter of faith. Wow. That was a laughter of sight. Wow. Why did you laugh? 
She said, no, I did. He said, you did. Mm. <laughs> you did. Okay, so you need to know the first thing is our thoughts. But only God can see that. The second thing, the actual manifestation of sight or faith, usually, nine out of ten times, usually is words. Before any action, there usually are words. That is why God is telling, last Sunday also you heard, you told Joshua is telling the children of Israel, zip your lip. Mm. Don't speak. Don't speak. That is talking about the good confession in the presence of men. So you will see, usually people get saved and when we baptize them, we ask them questions. That is your confession. confession. Now continue in the, in the confession, confession all the days of your life. Hold fast to your hold confession. Fast, hold fast. Because he is the high priest of our confession. Don't, don't waver in your confession. Don't waver in your confession. Whatever so. happens, don't change your mm. confession. You fall, get up and say, I was saved. This is yeah. not affecting my salvation. I have confessed before the witness. Jesus is my Lord. I have confessed with me. He is raised from the dead. I will never change my confession. Because people always, once they fall, am I saved? Am I saved? I don't think I'm saved. Maybe, you know what? You're changing your confession. Don't change your confession. All these things are important. Your belief structure, your thinking, and your confession. Never change it. Hmm. Never. And the fundamental basic confession never change. Never change. See, we hear about the prodigal son. Unity in the prodigal son, the one who did not change was the father. The son changed his confession. The, for the father, he was always a son. son. But the son said, I am no better than a servant. Father. I will go and tell him, I will be like one of your hired servants. He was changing his confession. Mm-hmm. So the question is, mm. when you were born, were you born a servant? No, I was born a son. You were born a son, mm-hmm. right? Then you wasted all these things, right? Okay. So, now you became a servant. <laughs> the reality will never change. <laughs> so, when you are born again, if you have actually been born again, were you born again because of your works? Mm-hmm. No. no. You had nothing to do with it, right? You mm. believed in something mm. and you were born again. So, you were a son. Now, you did your works and you fell. You are questioning mm. your salvation. No, you don't have to question your salvation. Just repent and turn back as a son. That's why in the new covenant, God says, you can come boldly. Why does he say you can come bold? He never says these things in the old covenant. Come boldly, confidently. No, they wouldn't even go anywhere near him. Why does he say? Because he says you are a son. You are a child. Okay. The fact is that are you born again? Yes. Did you fall? Yes. That does not stop you from becoming a son. Come back and receive mercy, receive grace so that you don't fall in that area again and keep on moving on. Moving on. Sons. You are sons and you are daughters. So you need to realize there is a Complete paradigm shift, shift in, the new, in the new covenant. It's completely different. It is not the same as mm. the old covenant. That's mm. why I keep telling read the four gospels and meditate on the epistles because the epistles are written for the new man. Amen. It is written for the new man. Mm. Meditate over and over on the epistles because it is written for the born again. Jesus is the only person in the four gospels who is the born again new person. Firstborn of creation. He's the only one. So we look at his life. So don't look at all the others. They're all old covenant people, including his mother. Everybody is old covenant people. So focus on Jesus, what he's doing. Meditate on Jesus in the four gospels. He's telling you how a new covenant person should live. Teach me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is the pattern. But the doctrine for the new covenant man is in the episodes. Yes. Meditate on the episodes. Like I told you, the old covenant was written for dead men. 
the new covenant was written for living men start on the new covenant saturate yourself with the new covenant and god when i got saved the first initial weeks months and thank god i did not have an old testament god in his goodness did not even give me an old covenant this, this thing i just read the new covenant over and over and over and then later much later i started on the old covenant after that the old covenant didn't bother me in bother me because you knew what you came from truth into the law so what you saw was truth, truth in, the, in law. the law but if you come from the law into the truth you will see the law in the truth and it will kill you mm. the bible is very clear the letter of the law kills. kills what is truth the truth is the spirit the spirit gives life that's how you should always focus that's how you should always focus so the new covenant believer is a child of god mm. a child of adam is a son of god he was born but uh, after that all of sons of the devil and we have faith is what makes us a child of god by faith so the first thing mentioned about the first man in hebrews 11 is connected with blood mm. abel offered a better sacrifice a more excellent sacrifice why by faith he knew you had to come through the blood that's the first lesson that's the most important lesson because if you don't have abel you don't have enoch if enoch has to walk with god abel has to show the way if noah has to work according to what god has said abel has to show him the way enoch has to teach him how to walk then only you can walk so each one is a sh- it's a paradigm mm. this is the way approach god this is the way to walk with god and this is the way to do the works of god amen so amen. they are just not people they are not just people and then by the time you come to the third per fourth person it's abraham entered at 75 died at 175 this is the life of, of god of god in the land of promise yeah. he gets it he makes a mistake gets back in he never lives then what he births is isaac there is another one which he births not acceptable by god god will bless it temporal but he has no eternal hope in that his eternal hope is in isaac so all this paradigms put over there which we need to see through the eyes of faith yes pastor vijay i think pastor uh, if we have time that's what it is we'll call it a day oh it's 810 yes it is 810 we are sitting over here so bright you don't even know it's dark outside mm. Okay, we'll close in prayer. Yes, yes Pastor Vijay. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this day that you blessed us with. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Father, truths from the new covenant. Thank you, Father, for re- reminding us and showing us, O oh Lord, what our real identity is in Christ. That we don't have to live the life of the old man. What you have accomplished for us on the cross and what you afforded us in new birth is a paradigm shift from what we see in the old covenant and i pray father these eternal truths o lord will be will take root in our deepmost parts of our inner man they will cause us to walk in your ways lord you will begin to write lord your truths by the spirit on the on the tables of our heart transform our mind the way we think and lord that we will not just speak right but we will hold fast and never waver our confession firm till the end 
Thank you, Father, for reminding us. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts. And even as we come to the end of this day, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would grant us a good night's rest and grant us another day in the land of the living, O Lord, so that, Lord, we can continuously prepare ourselves for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.